This Dharma Talk is brought to you by the Chicago Zen Meditation Community. Learn about us and our teacher, Miyoshi Thompson, at zenchicago.org. So, good evening, everybody. It's good to be here with you. Uh, it's sometimes hard for me to shift uh, from sitting to talking, uh, precisely because of the power of what we've just been doing setting ourselves while being together in silence, just breathing together and finding that inner stillness that gives us a glimpse of um, um, that process is still a bit mysterious to me. Six or so years uh, after starting to sit, I don't know why it feels so powerful sometimes and I have zero idea about how to make it happen. <laughs> There's no on-off switch. I understand that I'm not in control of what happens when we sit. So that practice is something that would have been considered quite strange, radically different uh, than anything else uh, I do, and virtually impossible in my family. Several years ago, my mother whispered to me, that man, he's a talker. She adored my father, but he sometimes made her ears hurt. Any audience, even an audience of one, was like an invitation for him to fill up all the space, every corner, every minute. There was a pause and a beat after she said, that man, he's a talker. And my mother said this. I'm grateful to have lost a little bit of my hearing in that register. <laughs> Tonight, I'd like to pull together several strengths of thinking from previous talks, including Nick on Gaza, Mary on impermanence, and Ridge on deep listening, Bill on recognizing what is good for us, Tim on facing squarely the reality of what we lost last year, when 21 animals and plants went extinct. And Miyoshi, who two weeks ago reminded us how little um, intellectual understanding we need in order to benefit from our practice. And that's definitely the right preface for the talk I'm gonna give. Last week, uh, Miyoshi also talked to us about how to mark the death of Buddha, uh, if I got it right as a complete burning out of a life uh, at 80, extinguishment. So proving along the way how little understanding I have, I'm encouraging you to reflect tonight on three tightly related things, Tim, tightly related things. Sitting Silenton, where I began, the falls at Yosemite National Park, and Valentine's. Yeah. Those connections are obvious, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so obvious, there's little sense in having me go on, but I will. In a Dharma talk Suzuki Roshi gave years ago, he described his first view of one of my favorite sites on the globe, uh, the magnificent falls of Yosemite. This is how we saw it. I went to Yosemite National Park and I saw some huge waterfalls. The highest one is 1,340 feet high 
and from it the water comes down like a curtain thrown from the mountain. It does not seem to come down swiftly, as you might expect. It seems to come down very slowly because of the distance. And the water does not come down as one stream, but is, but is separated into many tiny streams. From a distance, it looks like a curtain. And I thought it must be a very difficult experience for each drop of water to come down from the top of such a high mountain. It takes time, you know, a long time for the water finally to reach the bottom of the waterfall. And it seems to me that our human life may be like this. We have many difficult experiences in our life, but at the same time, I thought, the water was not originally separated, but was one whole river. Only when it is separated does it have some difficulty in falling. It is as if the water does not have any feeling when it is one whole river. In a way, this is the through line of all those earlier talks, at least for me, the pain and disorientation of being a separated drop, highly con conscious of its own difference, and maybe feeling alienated, surrounded by all those other drops, but holding ourselves at a distance, and even considering all those other drops not quite drop-like enough, or as Mary pointed out in our case, people with very different values and beliefs, not quite fully human. I wonder if anybody else in the room would be willing to offer up perhaps a time when you felt most like a lonely drop or a time, and or a time when you felt like an integral part of a flowing waterfall. Um, and while you're thinking about that question, I'll risk a little by saying that I consider Valentine's Day an abomination. <laughs> <laughs> I may be a majority of one person in the room. I'll be the drop, you can be the river. <laughs> but when I'm partnered, it feels like a cultural invasion of something quite you know, have a hallmark part of holiday. And when, like one four adults in our country, I'm not partnered, it feels like the whole world is expecting an explanation. So that's when I see myself as a drop, separate and full of separated feelings. When, I'm, when I feel like I'm in the flow is uh, when some unexamined truth pops out like talking to my best friend on the phone on Valentine's Day. When the writing went well, I had a long swim and made dinner for a few friends. That was my river. I caught myself saying to her, God, I'm just so happy I don't have a boyfriend. A few days later, we were talking on the phone again, and I seemed to have acquired one in the meantime. Um, when she called back, I said, have one now. And she said, that's what I expected. So um, I, I haven't talked here anywhere else really about a trip that I took at the end of September to, to Egypt, because on the last day of that trip, the war started. And it seemed like an odd thing to talk about a vacation in Sharmoche. Um, and, 
But that was one of the, the that week up until the work began, was one of the most uh, uh, exciting experiences of my life. And it was because I had this journey of discovery for eight days with my son, who's the person who matters to me most in the world and who, you know, we see each other fairly often, but it's like an afternoon and an overnight. It's not like the kind of time we used to have together. And it was just this completely eye-opening trip for me because, you know, uh, Neoshi will say casually uh, 5,000 years ago, you know, and all of a sudden I was in a place with that kind of history. So the stones at the temple for Ramses II, 4,500 years old, you back up against those stones and you feel that that um, depth of history. Um, and it also was kind of a mind-blowing experience about all of the things we've been talking about for the last couple of months, the way in which human beings um, from the beginning apparently have turned away and feared death. Uh, when a pharaoh was named, the very first thing that he began to do, one woman actually in the line of pharaohs, and she began to do, was to look across the river and begin to have a big temple built for their afterlife, with the assumption that they would have one. Um, and uh, those temples and the artifacts in those temples became so valuable that eventually they had to hide their afterlife places in the hills because otherwise they would be robbed blind. And just one thing after another that I learned that I uh, was a little ashamed, I knew nothing about the uh, possibility of an afterlife uh, was no foregone conclusion. Um, the dead pharaoh would go through eight days of testing, uh, at the end of which was a uh, wave of the heart. And if the heart was too heavy, they didn't get an afterlife. So it wasn't a foregone conclusion. Anyway, it was just kind of mind-blowing in that way. Fear of death, fear of being forgotten. And that became even more poignant for me in Luxor. My son got sick and I went to the temple by myself. A thousand sphinxes lead up to the temple. The first uh, part of it, it's in thirds, the first part of it built by Ramses II in honor of himself. <laughs> and the second third built by his successor who built a lot of statues to himself, a little bit shorter than Ramses II. Um, uh, and a lot of images have been bowing to Ramses II as a, a lesson for everybody about how they should behave towards him. But within a couple of years, he went around and erased Ramses' name from the bottom of the statue and put his own name on it. <laughs> and the final third of the temple, very ugly a third, was built by the Roman invaders who built this kind of uh, ugly, blocky thing. And of course, they erased all the names <laughs> of the people who came before them. So that, the, I was thinking in the context of Suzuki Roshi's talk about that, uh, these very deep 
human impulses, to fear death, to attempt to extend what we're granted, what we're blessed with, and the uh, impulse to erase the other. Um, and um, the one morning, um, Jake and I got up and uh, went at dawn to see the sinks. Uh, and when you see it at dawn, it's in an entirely different light. I think the experience of, of seeing it is very different. And um, uh, we sat there uh, looking at the sinks, nobody else there, back to back. Uh, together, having this kind of magical experience, and not one word, not one word um, was needed. So it, it, it did feel like, uh, very much like as uh, Zazen, the kind of experience I sometimes have in Zazen. So I'll tell you a little bit more about um, how Suzuki Roshi sees that drop versus the waterfall. Uh, towards the end of the talk, he says, before we were born, we had no feeling. We were one with the universe. This is called mind only, or essence of mind, or big mind. After we are separated by birth from this oneness, as the waterfall and from the waterfall is separated by the wind and rocks, then we have feeling. You have difficulty because you have feeling. You would attach to the feeling you have without knowing just how this kind of feeling is created. When you do not realize that you are one with the river or one with the universe, you have fear. Whether it is separated into drops or not, water is water. Our life and death are the same thing. When we realize this fact, we have no fear of death anymore and we have no actual difficulty in our life. When the water returns to its original oneness with the river, it no longer has any individual feeling to it. It resumes its own nature and finds composure. How very glad the water must be to come back to the original river. <laughs>